Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Omagyana Timirinda Shajana Jana Shalakaya Chakshurul Mitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Namaha. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Sri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Tadatit Swapadantikam. When will Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who established who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet. Vancha kalpata rubescha, kripata sindhubhyevesha, patita anampa vanebhyo, vaishnavebhyo, namo namaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhaktavrinda I offer my respectful obeisances unto Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhar Pandit, Shri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So today is Tuesday, April 6, 2021, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 6, Conversation Between Narada and Vyasadev, Text 34. Chitatnam. Matra Sparse Chayamuhu. Bhava Sindhu Plavodrishto Harichalyana Vananam Etatiatura Chitatanam Matrasparshachayamuhu Bhava Sindhu Plavodrishto Harichalyanu Varnanam Etatiyaturajitanam Matras Parsichaya Muhu Bhava Sindhu Plavodrisho Hari Charyanuvananam Etadiyatura Chitanam Matras Parsichaya Muhu Bhava Sindhu Plavodrishto 
Etat, this, he, certainly, aturachitanam, of those whose minds are always full of cares and anxieties. Matra, objects of sense enjoyment. Varsa, senses. Ichaya, by desires. Muhu, always. Bhavasindu, the ocean of nescience. Bhava, boat. Krishna, experienced. Haricharya, Activities of Hari, the personality of Godhead. Anuvarnanam, constant recitation. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. It is personally experienced by me that those who are always full of cares and anxieties due to desiring contact of the senses with their objects, can cross the ocean of nescience on a most suitable boat, the constant chanting of the transcendental activities of the personality of Godhead. Report. The symptom of a living being is that they cannot remain silent even for some time. One must be doing something, thinking of something, talking about something, Generally, the materialistic persons think and discuss about subjects which satisfy their senses. But as these things are exercised under the influence of the external illusory energy, such sensual activities do not actually give them any satisfaction. On the contrary, they become full of cares and anxieties. This is called maya, or what is not. That which cannot give them satisfaction is accepted accepted as an object for satisfaction. Sri Narada Muni, by his personal experience, says that satisfaction for such frustrated beings engaged in sense gratification is to chant always the activities of the Lord. The point is that the subject matter only should be changed. No one can check the thinking activities of a living being, nor the feeling, willing, or working processes. But if one wants actual happiness, one must change the subject matter only. Instead of talking of the politics of a dying person, one might discuss the politics administered by the Lord himself. Instead of relishing activities of the cinema artists, one can turn their attention to the activities of the Lord with his eternal associates like the gopis and lakshmis. The almighty personality of Godhead, by his causeless mercy, descends to the earth and manifests activities almost on the line of the worldly men, but at the same time extraordinarily because he is almighty. He does so for the benefit of all conditioned souls so that they can turn their attention to transcendence. By doing so, the conditioned soul will gradually be promoted to the transcendental position and easily cross the ocean of nescience, the source of all miseries. This is stated from personal experience by such an authority as Sri Narada Muni. And we can have the same experience also if we begin to follow in the footsteps of the great sage, the dearmost devotee of the Lord. So 
Narada Muni is speaking here. He's saying that he's seen it personally that if we can just constantly chant the transcendental activities of the personality of Godhead, then we can become free of all of our cares and anxieties. And we notice, I mean, we experience, I experience that this world is full of anxieties. There's so many causes of anxiety that we have. What are some causes of anxiety for you guys? And what about that makes you anxious? Moving to a new place. So there's a fear of getting lost. Maybe the fear of being attacked. Um, Flat tire, something could happen on the way. So there's so many anxieties at every step, right? At every turn, we have so many anxieties. And, you know, do you have any anxieties that you want to share? So there's a lot that goes on, right, that can cause anxiety. So when you when you have all of those things that you mentioned um, and you have certain desires and they don't come to fruition, that can cause us some anxiety. Or you want them to come into fruition, that causes some anxiety. Now, anxiety is a very difficult subject to... Um, I mean, this is very simplified. And in some ways it is very simple. Because our anxiety comes from wanting to control things that we can't control. And not having faith that Krishna will take care of all of this for us. But it's not so simple to say someone who has anxiety just doesn't have enough faith because there's so much conditioning that we have. So I'm not negating that some people may feel truly anxious and it's they, they need a little bit more care and attention than, um, or even medication than someone who um, has further progressed or they, they've um, their conditioning is not as strong to the material world. Because it's the conditioning that we have to this material world that keeps us in anxiety. Um, there is also spiritual anxiety. Right? We see that demonstrated by the gopis, Radharani. They become anxious when they don't see Krishna or because they're, they're wondering, when can I see Krishna again? And that becomes the source of their anxiety. <clears throat> so Prabhupada makes the point here in the purport that we can, we can have these same feelings and desires. We just need to transfer them from material sense objects to transcendental spiritual sense objects that relate to Krishna, supreme personality of Godhead. So, you know, when we talk about anxiety, there's, like, we know that there's so many sources. And it does come from... Um, wanting to control a certain outcome, right? So we can say, like, you know, I'm giving class and I want it to be very, you know, fruitful. I want some people to to learn from it, you know. I want someone to take away something, right? But then at the same time, my only duty is to give the class in the best possible way that I can, right? And the rest is up to Krishna, you know, how it speaks to someone Sometimes I feel like the words that come out are even straight from Krishna because I'm like, where did that come from? I didn't have that knowledge, you know. 
So it's like if I just relax into it and let Krishna take control, then it becomes much easier. Um, the anxiety lessens. And anxiety shows up in so many little different ways, right? We think of some big anxiety like having a panic attack or um, things like that. But it could just be, you know, if I'm out and about and I'm hungry, then I can start getting like, oh, when am I going to get home? Am I, you know, like, what am I going to do for food? Is it, is there, you know, will I have enough time? Am I hungry? You know, like, you, you can become anxious just from um, little change in your routine or a little change in the way things are because you don't know what's going to happen next. And the truth of the matter is we never know what's going to happen next even if we have everything planned out. Because anything can change at any given moment. Um, This weekend, I learned some devastating news about um, people that I knew from my childhood. Uh, In a tragic accident, you know, this uh, friend of mine lost his kids, two kids, and um, his wife is in critical condition. And... It was just, if you think about it, it was just a moment, you know, like one instant they're probably laughing, having a good time, and the next tragedy occurs, and you never know when that's going to happen. And that can also be a source of anxiety, right? You never know what something's going to happen. We don't know, you know, at any given time. So what I've learned is to look at what are the things that I can control, and what are the things that I have no control over? And I have no control over 99% of the things. I have no control over the weather. I have no control over traffic. I have no control over other people. I barely have control over my mind, and that is the only thing I can control, right? My mind, my myself, my thoughts, my words. And I have a hard enough time controlling that. So it's like, honestly, there's very little I have control about. And I, I've come to realize recently that that has been a major source of, of uh, anxiety for me, right? And in, not in the big sense, because I understand that I can't control the weather and traffic, but it's the little things. Like somebody says something to me, and I think, what? What does that mean? Why would they say that? Well, that's a source of anxiety, right? Because they could have meant nothing by it, but it's all in my mind, And so we tend to cause ourselves these levels of anxieties because we haven't learned how to um, reframe our thoughts or to change our thinking patterns. Um, And so we have a simple formula, right? To get from anxiety to transcendental bliss, we just have to chant Krishna's glories. But it's not so easy, like I said, because of our our conditioning, in the Bhagavad Gita, it says, um, 16, in chapter 16, 11 and 12, it says, they believe that to gratify the senses is the prime necessity of human civilization. So here, Krishna is describing the qualities of the divine and the demoniac. And he is saying here, the demoniac believe that to gratify the senses is the prime necessity of human civilization. Thus, until end of life, their anxiety is immeasurable. Bound by a network of hundreds of thousands of desires absorbed in lust and anger, they secure money by illegal means for sense gratification. 
And he goes on to say in 1616, thus perplexed by various anxieties and bound by a network of illusions, they become too strongly attached to sense enjoyment and fall down into hell. So you can see that, you know, we have good qualities and we have divine qualities and we have demoniac qualities, right? And we want to cultivate our divine qualities, but our conditioning is this demoniac type. It's such a strong word. Um, but we can kind of clearly see that that's within ourselves. That's the battle within ourselves. That Are we going to become too attached to our sense enjoyment, or are we going to become too attached to pleasing Krishna's senses? And one is permanent, and the other is temporary. And the temporary nature of the material world is another source of anxiety. Everything is temporary. You know, when you're having a good time, when you're at a party, you think, oh man, this is so much fun. And often I think, this is a lot of fun. But man, it's only for a couple of hours. You know? um, when you're suffering, it's hard to think of it that way, but it's the same thing. You know, when it's was one of the ways I talk about this a lot because it was a recent example. But when we had no power and it was freezing cold outside, one of the ways I coped with that is, well, this too shall pass. This is temporary. So distress is temporary. Happiness is temporary. You can see that if you're, like, looking at it, right? When you're in it, it's harder because you're experiencing it. But when you look back at it, you're like, oh, that was temporary. That was you know, that was a fun time in my life, or that was a miserable time in my life. And you tend to see that there's patterns. It goes good, it goes bad, it goes good, it goes bad. So if we get too strongly attached, then we just get whipped around by this good and bad pattern, this duality, right? Whereas if we start to become more aware that this is all temporary and this is not who we really are, and start to become more attached to Krishna then the dualities isn't as um, perplexing for us. It doesn't. It's not a source of misery. Um, in the Upanishads, it says, although, and this is from a purport of one of um, Srila Prabhupada's purports, it says, although the two birds are in the same tree, eating bird is fully engrossed with anxiety and moroseness as the enjoyer of the fruits of the tree. But if in some way or other he turns his face to his friend, the Lord, and knows his glories, at once the suffering bird becomes free from all anxieties. So all we have to do is turn towards Krishna. We just have to think there's got to be something more than this. The sources of anxieties in the material world are endless. You might be anxious of like, oh my God, am I going to have a nice house to stay in? Once you get a nice house, oh my God, am I going to get robbed? Or am I going to have enough money to fill it with furniture? Or am I going to have enough money to maintain it? Um, am I going to find, you know, a nice husband, a nice wife, have a nice family? There's so many sources of anxiety. And once you achieve something, then it's like the next source of anxiety comes up after that. So really it's about thinking, okay, there's got to be something more than this. And saying, okay, once you say there's something more than this, we've talked about this before where Krishna says, oh, somebody's interested. So he starts to gauge our level of interest and 
puts things in place for us to come to Krishna or to come to God in some way. And part of that is having us meet our spiritual master. And for everyone, you know, all of us here, Srila Prabhupada is all of our spiritual masters. So we've come in contact with him in some way or another. Um, at one point, that brought us here, whether it's through his devotees, like we may have been somewhere and heard a Harinam, and, you know, that's one way we come to him. We may have gotten a book from somebody. We may have found a book. I've heard of people picking up a book somebody had put, a, put aside or discarded, and that's how they come to Krishna consciousness. Some people are born, you know, so they come through their parents. Um, whatever way we are here, we're here. And Prabhupada has given us shelter, and all we have to do is, is take, you know, take advantage of that, read. So in the purport of Bhagavad Gita 13.18, Srila Prabhupada says, Happiness and distress are concomitant factors of material life. One should learn to tolerate, as advised in Bhagavad Gita. One can never restrict the coming and going of happiness and distress, so one should be detached from the materialistic way of life and be automatically equiposed in both cases. Generally, when we get something very something desirable, we are very happy. And when we get something undesirable, we are distressed. But if we're actually in a spiritual position, these things will not agitate us. So, this is the point. Right? Like we, we want to be free from these dualities. And the best way to get free of these dualities is to surrender to Krishna. So when we realize, okay, I have no control over these things, and um, it's all in Krishna's hands, it almost becomes easier. It's like a burden gets lifted off of you. When you realize that you have no control, but then do you want control? Something goes wrong in somebody else's life, then you feel, oh my God, I'm responsible. It's such a big thing. You know, recently I have um, my brother. Uh, both of my brothers actually recently have had kids. So in the last year, I've become an aunt twice. And it's exciting. And one of my brothers had, um, the baby came a month early, and she decided to come a month early. So that's a constant source of anxiety for him. He's always saying, man, like, he's so worried that any little thing that they do could you know, potentially harm her future for the long term. And I said, look, Whatever happens is, is going to happen. You do the best you can, but that's all you can do, right? Because in some ways, there is going to be some harm in the sense that um, she's going to have her own struggles and challenges that she has to go through. And some of that comes from how we interact from each other, right? So I was reading recently in... Um, Bhaktivedanta Maharaj's book, um, Surrender, and he was saying that um, those of us that are somewhat spiritually advanced, we choose our parents. Before we're even born, we've chosen our parents. And I thought, that's very interesting, because I can see choosing my dad. I had a really nice, sweet relationship with my dad. I love my mom, 
but we tend to uh, butt heads a lot. And, you know, I was thinking, huh, I chose her. And I and it kind of reframed my relationship with my mom in that sense. And so I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of um, doubts and insecurities and fears that were instilled in me through some of my interactions with my mom. But yet I chose that relationship. So that means that, I, you know, whatever happens as a consequence of that, it's kind of, it's not my mom's fault. It's not even my fault. It's just the lessons that I need to learn. So I was trying to explain that to my brother, too, that, you know, there are going to be some friction things that you don't know how psychologically, emotionally it's going to affect her, um, positively or negatively. So the best you can do is love, right? And love means um, caring for someone, means offering, giving them Krishna, the highest source of love. Um, And, you know, and doing, doing whatever you can. It's kind of unconditional, not expecting anything in return. Not a business transaction. Um, and that's another source of our anxiety, right? Like, we tend to look at our relationships as business transactions. I did this for you, now what are you going to do for me? Um, and that's, that could be a very stressful way to be, right? Instead of just out of love and compassion and kindness, I do this for you. And whatever you do with it is up to you, right? Instead of, you know, saying, okay, counting, I did this, you didn't do this, and you know, in a lot of relationships, we tend to do that, whether it's romantic or even friends or, you know, even parents sometimes. You know, they kind of pull that guilt trip. Well, I raised you and I gave up this and, you know, well, you know that kind of thing. And Krishna is very kind because in order to give us more things to talk about, he comes to the earth, right? He presents himself. In the Bhagavad Gita, it says, in uh, chapter 4, 8, it says, to deliver the pious and to annihilate the miscreants, as well as to reestablish the principles of religion, I myself appear millennium after millennium. So, to deliver the pious, and Srila Prabhupada goes on to explain in the purport, Lord Sri Krishna descends for the specific purpose of mitigating the anxieties of the pure devotees were very anxious to see him in his original Vrindavan pastimes. Therefore, the prime purpose of the Krishna avatar is to satisfy his unalloyed devotees. So here we see anxieties of the pure devotees. Again, it's this concept that we're not going to lose all the feelings that we have. They just get transferred. Um, And it becomes pleasurable in that sense. That becomes the anxiety turns into more of an anticipation. Right? So anticipation is almost a, it's the flip side of anxiety because it's more of a positive way of what's going to happen. You don't know, but you know something's going to happen. So you anticipate what's going to happen. Um, you know, and so the the boat that transfers us or the bridge between anxiety and transcendental bliss is chanting Krishna's glories. And he's given us so many different ways of doing that. We've got, and Prabhupada as well, right, as our spiritual master, has given us the entire Srimad Bhagavatam, which is all 
chanting Krishna's glories. It's all different pastimes of Krishna that we can recite. Um, in a previous verse, I think in, I don't remember which chapter it was, but it says, just read the Srimad Bhagavatam, you know, the glories of the Srimad Bhagavatam daily, and you can find liberation. And that's because it's filled with, in the, in, with glories of Krishna. In the previous chapter, we learned between the conversations of Narada and Vyasadeva that Vyasadeva had compiled the entire Vedas and, and translate, you know, like put them down because prior to that, everybody just had such powerful memories they could speak it to each other and remember it. But he had to write it all down and he separated everything out. And, and you know, most of it had to do with economic development how to please the senses, how to live well, how to get liberated. But he felt very unsatisfied. He felt like there's something more. And that's when Narada Muni comes and tells him, yes, there is something more. You have to talk about Krishna. You have to talk about you know, that um, not just liberation, but becoming pure devotees of Krishna. And that's when Narada Muni started writing the Srimad Bhagavatam. And so the whole point of the Srimad Bhagavatam is to come beyond all of our pushings of the material world, right? This desire to have fame and opulence and wealth and beauty and strength and all of these things that we pursue um, and to just you know, chant the glories of Krishna or do all of that in the pursuit of you know, chanting the glories of Krishna. So Prabhupada has given us all these things and all we have to do is read them. He's also given us another simple way of crossing that boat and that's to chant Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. And that's something simple we can engage in anytime. In the Shikshastakam Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says there are no hard and fast rules to chanting. We want to try to do it with attention, avoiding the ten offenses, but at the same time, there are no hard and fast rules. We just chant with the idea of, again, finding that true love, unconditional love for Krishna, not as a transactional purpose, right? I'm not chanting, so it's not like, okay, Krishna, I'm chanting, so therefore, provide me with a house and provide me with, you know. On the other hand, <clears throat> Krishna does take care of everything, so there's nothing wrong with expecting a certain level of care that Krishna will take care of everything. But just also understanding that whatever he provides is what we need. It may not be what we want, but it will definitely be what we need. So if you know if we're sitting here praying, we don't have to pray. Like I didn't have to ask my dad to make sure I had food every evening. I had dinner, lunch, breakfast. I had clothes. He just provided those for me. Now, if I wanted something more, like I wanted designer clothes, I'd have to ask for that. Of course, the answer was always no. Um, but, you know, if I wanted to, if we wanted to go out to eat or something different than what was provided, then I had to ask. But the basic necessities, I didn't have to ask my dad for it. It was already provided. And it's the same thing with our relationship with Krishna. He's not going to just leave us you know, to be, if we're depending on him, he's going to take care of our needs. We just have to have that faith that he will do so and serve him in the meantime, right? That doesn't mean that we just sit around and, oh, Krishna will take care of us. 
we have our duty. We have our service to Krishna. So we do that service, and we know that Krishna will take care of us in doing that service, especially if that service is somehow serving him. So sometimes one of my meditations to Krishna when I'm chanting is, you know, please, obviously, please engage me in your service, but also please provide me with what is necessary to engage in your service. So it's kind of like if something is, this is my service, then, you know, provide me with the intelligence, the skills, the people, the money, whatever resources that I need to provide this service, to, you know, complete this service. And then also just having, kind of relaxing about, oh my God, will it come? Will it not come? I don't know if I told this story in this class before. It's a really interesting story. Um, And I was, was right around New Year's, and one of the things I tend to do is I tend to walk while I chant japa because it helps control um, some of my, like, because uh, I have a little bit of attention deficit disorder. So when I walk, it kind of helps focus my mind a little bit more. So I've learned that um, when I go, you know, walking, I just kind of walk around my block. <clears throat> so... You know, I leave my house and I just like make a big circle around my block and I keep doing that until I finish chanting. And on the one of the corners, I noticed, I was like, oh, look, there's a couple of pennies. So I picked them up, you know, as I was chanting and then I continued chanting. And then <clears throat> I remember that, you know, when you find a penny, if you give a penny to someone else, you both get good luck. So every time I would pass somebody, or if I see somebody, my neighbors, I would give them a penny. So I gave, you know, I had two pennies, I gave them a penny. I come back around, and there's like four pennies. I was like, oh, there's more pennies. So I picked them up, and then, you know, passed them out to people. And then when I come back around, there's like even more pennies. And each time I pass by, you know, I would give them out. And each time I passed by, there was more and more pennies that would appear. At the end of my japa session, I had like, I don't know, 50 pennies that I'd picked up each time I round. And each time I was like, after the third or fourth time, I'm like, let me make sure I found all the pennies. Like, I would look. And one of the realizations that I had when I was doing this is that as long as I'm generous and I'm giving and I'm doing things in a more generous, compassionate way, Krishna will always provide. Like, these pennies just kept magically appearing. I'm sure there was some explanation. But from my perception, it was like they just kept magically appearing. The more I took, even more would appear. You know, the more I took and gave away, the even more would appear. So I just thought that was really, like, Krishna's really... Um, sometimes he's really subtle in his way of engaging with us, and sometimes it's very overt, that was one of those that felt very overt. Like it was a really um, in-your-face lesson situation. So chanting is a great way for us to connect with Krishna and reading. And they both kind of go hand in hand. I know that when I'm reading um, regularly, my chanting is a little bit better because I have things that I can focus on. I'm, I'm reading about Krishna's glories, and then when I chant... I know who I'm speaking to as I'm chanting. I'm learning more and more about Krishna, the person. You know, 
God is a person and we have a personal relationship with him. So the more I read about this person, the more I can engage with this person. The more you know about someone, the better conversations you have with them. So, as always, I can't. That's That's the only thing that we can really do. And we can do it anywhere, anytime. No hard and fast rules. What questions do you have for me? So that's uh, So the question is, um, we don't want to be attached to our senses, but if our senses are engaged to the service of Krishna, should we be attached to them? And the answer is pretty much yes. Um, Prabhupada even says that in the purport, that we want to transfer all of these attachments to Krishna, you know, transfer our sense enjoyment to Krishna enjoyment. In that sense. So we're engaging our senses in the service of Krishna. Now, sometimes we can say that we're doing that, but we're trying to get some personal gratification. And that's still okay. That's better than doing it for just plain personal gratification. And eventually we want to come from that stage to purely for Krishna's satisfaction, engaging our senses purely for his satisfaction. So, And then the way we do that is to keep and associating with each other and reading the Sodom. What other questions do you have? Sum that up. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much more I could say after that. But yeah, there are certain types of people that come to Krishna, and Krishna does. Um, I mean, every you know, everyone is dear to him. He loves everyone, but the one who's his devotee is most most dear to him. Um, and he, I think in the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada, I mean, not Prabhupada. Krishna says that a couple of times, like, you are my most dear friend, and that's why I'm telling you this, right? Or he'll say things like, um, you know, like, I'm friend to all, but that those that you know, are turned to me, right, then I'm friend to them more. Like, it's not that he favors one or the other, but, you know, he's reciprocating. So when we start to turn to him, he reciprocates even more. You know, we can love everybody, but if people aren't talking to us, it's hard for us to engage with them, the ones that are talking. So even if we're asking him for something, um, it is a type of transaction, but we have to be very careful to not just do that. Because kind of like, you know, if you keep bugging your, just kind of the same example, if you keep bugging your dad for something, I mean, like, you're younger and you're like, can I have this? Can I have this? And he's just like, leave me alone, right? Like, no. Or um, kind of, you know, it's not that Krishna gets annoyed, but it's just like, it's no longer 
about him. So he's thinking, okay, I'll give you this, but it may not be what you want or it may not be what you think it's going to bring you. A lot of times when we're asking for things, is it we're, are we asking it really to help us serve Krishna or are we asking it for our own personal enjoyment? And if we're asking for our own personal enjoyment, then it's something that can actually take us away from Krishna. So we have to be very like careful. We can ask Krishna for anything, but we qualify it. If it pleases you, if it furthers my service, please provide me with this then it makes it a little bit different because now Krishna's like, oh, well, now I, now you're asking me to choose for, you know, you're surrendering that part of it because you're understanding that if it doesn't please Krishna or if it doesn't further my service, then you're okay with not receiving it. We can end here if there are no further questions.